back to the Afros and Arts podcast, the interview series featuring Black women working in food and beverage, wine, hospitality, food justice, food education, food science, food technology, food media, and agriculture. I am your host, Tiffany Rozier, and this is episode 40. This conversation is with the legendary Joy Spence. She is the first female master blender in the spirits industry. Joy has been the master blender for Appleton Estates Rum for well over a quarter of a century, and you can taste her knowledge her passion, her care, and her excellence in each and every blend and bottle. She was such a joy to speak to, and it's rare that you talk to a person and you're just kind of like gathered up and surrounded by warmth. So yeah, she kind of just invites you in to share and talk and just sit with her for a moment. And so I just loved every second of it. I look forward to getting to Jamaica and visiting with her in person finally and going through and taking a tour of Appleton Estates and having some rum and a little bit of dinner. And yeah, so she was just a really awesome woman and definitely a legend in her own right. Let's see. This episode is brought to you by Global Cut of the USA and with the support of the Afros and Ives Patreon community. Be sure to become a part of the Afros and Ives Collective, powered by Mighty Networks. If you visit the website, you can get the link there. It's a free membership. There's a couple of paid options, but for the most part, it's free to just connect to other people in the community, have real conversations that are kind of outside social media. We can do um, larger deep dives and do a little more in-depth conversation and connection with people. So you definitely are invited to go and participate. Be sure to visit the Afros and Lives website so you can sign up for the weekly newsletter so you can keep up with all the news. And there's usually just a brief summary of who's going to be on the show that week or that month, as well as a couple of special little features and some announcements about things happening in our community. And so you definitely want to get that every week. And now here is my interview with Miss Joy Spence. Well, hi, everyone. I'm Joy Spence, Master Blender for Appleton Estate Rums. And so I actually develop all the new blends for Appleton Estate. I've been working with the company since 1981. So this is my 40th year anniversary. A long time to be working with a company. Wow. It's so true. I think my life has been extremely interesting and I think very blessed in that I'm adopted child. So I was adopted at birth and it was for my adopted mom. She couldn't have any children. And so when she was able to adopt me, and actually she adopted me from her best friend who was just not in a position to look after me or take care of me. And she gave me the name Joy because it brought joy to her heart. That here it is, she could now have a little baby in her hand that she could never have before. And so my adopted father was very strong in education, so he gave me the best education that I could have. Mm. was a happy childhood. I was treated like a little princess, taken good care of. A lot of people have bad stories to talk about adoption, but mine was very good. And so went to high school, and at third form, I fell in love with chemistry. Mm. So I started to work with my chemistry teacher, where I would stay back in the evenings and I would help her to prepare the practicals for the upper school. And so much so I became so experienced in chemistry that I started to tutor the upper school in chemistry. Of course. (laughs) I knew the inside out of what was happening. She became a second mother to me. So I would spend hours in the evenings just talking until her husband would pick her up from school. And so I made, you know, vow that chemistry is really what I want to do as a profession and as a career. But in fourth form, she went to deliver her second child. And then we got the news at school that she died in childbirth. And it was the most devastating event for me in my life. I can imagine. I cried for about two weeks. And I made a vow to her that I become the best chemist there is in her honor. So I finished high school and went to the University of the West Indies. And initially, I wanted to become a medical doctor. I said I would apply my chemistry there. 
But then I couldn't handle trauma. Oh. No way I could be able to assist anybody who came in as a <laughs> victim because I would just freeze. And oh, I said, no. Okay. <laughs> no way I'm going to continue along this path. So let me be <laughs> along the path of regular chemistry. So I did my chemistry degree. I came first in my class with the high score mm. at that time. And then I started to teach chemistry. So I taught in the high school, then I went to the university lecture in chemistry. And then I got a scholarship to my master's in chemistry in the United Kingdom. I went there, studied, did a master's in chemistry. Then I got a scholarship to do my PhD in chemistry in the UK for a pharmaceutical company, because that's where I did my research. But I was very homesick. I missed Jamaica so much. I said, no, 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 I have to come back home. Mm. Came back home, continued lecturing, and then I decided I wanted to get some industry experience. So I joined Tia Maria as a research chemist, and that facility was right beside J. Neville, which owns Appleton Estate. Now, I was very bored at Tia Maria because I have to class. <laughs> I have to be doing several things at the same time, and I was only doing mm. product. They recognized my boredom and said, in the morning, I do research chemistry work. And in the evening, they'd send me on the road to do public relations. So I do public relations in the evening. Okay. Okay. <laughs> but still bored in the lunch period, I look across the fence and I would see that everybody looked happy and busy over Jerry and Neville. Tankers rolling in. I said, you know, that's a happening place to work. <laughs> send my resume over there. I don't care. Let me send my resume over there. There you go. <laughs> So I sent over my resume and they called me in for an interview. And they said to me, you know, we really don't have an opening here, but we're so impressed with your interview that we just wanted to have a talk with you, a chit chat. So I did, left, went back over and I said, well, I guess this is my destiny to be here still at Tia Maria. <laughs> then a few weeks later, I got a call from Jerry and David to say, we have created a position for you, the position of chief chemist. Look at this. <laughs> And your role will be to take the laboratory into the 21st century, put in updated equipment, updated technologies, methods, etc. Said fine, great task. So joined there in 1981 as a chief chemist. Thought now I would be in that lab testing, testing. As a matter of fact, it was so funny that the HR manager, when they interviewed me, put a little note. She's not going to stay very long because she's bored in no time. <laughs> Oh, and man. 40 years in the making. <laughs> bless. Oh, bless her. I remember a handful of interviews I've had where that was their primary concern. They were like, so will you get bored here? And I'm just mm -hmm. like, I don't know. Not yet. I don't know that yet. I'm like, it depends on what you ask me to do. Wow. Wow. That is fantastic. Now, is the HR manager who wrote that note, is she still there? No, 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 no. She's no longer there. <laughs> oh, but then, no, I met the previous master blender because the chief chemist works very closely with the master blender. So the chemist does the analytical part and the master blender does the artistic and sensory part. So he was a very private gentleman who had his little, little room of secrets <laughs> that everyone feared to enter. But my philosophy in life is that there are two answers to any question, <laughs> yes or no. So <laughs> oh, man. So one day I just knocked at his door and I said, Mr. Tuller, can I come in just to see what you're doing? He said, sure. Everybody said, whoa, you're lucky. <laughs> <laughs> we assumed he said no. I was like, well, did you ever ask? Yes. Oh, so I went in, oh, said, oh, my God, what is he going to say to me? So he started to tell me about rum distillation and blending and he started to test my sensory skills. He said, I want you to know this wrong for me. So I started to tell him what I was detecting. And he said, you know, you have an excellent sensory skill. Ooh. One day you're going to become an excellent blender. So guess what? I'm going to take you under my wings and tutor you to teach you all the nuances about rum and how, when they age, how they transform, when you combine different styles of rums, different ages, how you can create these amazing flavor profiles that we have in the Appleton Estate. And I tutored with him for 17 years. And then when he retired, I was appointed the master blender in 1997. Wow. Now, at that time, we discovered I was the only female master blender in the entire spirits industry. As a matter of fact, my bosses at the time got a huge flack for appointing a female. 
and telling them, you know, in Jamaican terminology, woman can't make rum, and how you're going to have a woman making rum, <laughs> because in those days it really was unheard of. Wow. My bosses said to all those people with the negative impressions that, you know, she's going to become famous one day, and we have the greatest confidence in her that she will take our rums to a different level. And wow. so here I am 40 years later. <laughs> Proving them wrong still. And having Loving a wonderful it. interview with you. <laughs> you wonder. I love it. I was just, and ladies and gentlemen, now you know how black women shape the future. Wow. And wow. Now, in all of that stuff, did you end up like starting a family and all the other traditional stuff? Or do you really, did, it, was it really just focused on your work? Like I said, I mean, for me, I was just like, people, I'm dialed into my work right now. So please don't ask me about being married and having any kids. Oh, so. no, no. I So I started my family there. My daughter, she is 38. Mm-hmm. Right? So I had her two years after joining <laughs> j Oh, okay. Yes. So it was very difficult. Then my son was born like five years later. Okay. So it was difficult balancing the two because, you know, I had to spend some very long hours sometimes the very late in the night, or if they're having a production problem, I would have to get up out of my bed at 2 a.m. And so my husband would put the children in the back of the car and we would chug down to Jerry <laughs> the problem of the morning. Oh, wow. <laughs> then like, we okay. go back home. So it was very interesting. And of course, I always insisted that I would never, ever miss any special event in my children's education. So I never missed a PTA meeting. I never missed a graduation. I never missed any event that they had. What I did was I worked for my lunchtime. And so I was able to leave on time. Yeah. Very funny experience. The managing director who was very strict at the time. One day called a meeting for 6 p.m. I said, oh, Lord, how am I going to handle this? Because I do not have a babysitter. I do not have anyone to keep the children because my that time it was just my daughter at the time. My husband had traveled. So I said, well, I have no choice but to carry this child. Yeah. <laughs> She's coming with me, friends. She's coming with me, friends. So I came to the office and I said, everybody, look, Tracy's here, but I'm going to hide her under the boardroom table. So say nothing. So <laughs> she was playing, playing, playing. And then when we, everybody said, he's driving in, he's driving in. I said, okay. So I put her underneath the table, emptied out my handbag and said, Tracy, Stay out there and keep quiet. <laughs> so the meeting is going on and we're hearing Russell, 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 Russell. And he's wondering, what is happening here? <laughs> Everybody knows that she's on the TV. So that looks That it continued. And he decided, no, to put his head under the table. And he saw this little baby. It's <laughs> like... With my lipstick. Well, <laughs> if you wanted her to be under here and be quiet, that's going to have so to happen. He took her out from under the table and put her on his lap. He said, oh. why didn't you tell me you didn't have anywhere to keep your baby? <laughs> I said, like, fear. I said, fear. <laughs> that, I mean, it was working until you heard all of that noise. So, I mean, <laughs> we probably could have survived the whole meeting like this, but okay. <laughs> That is, I mean, I love that though. It's like, thank you for like having enough thought about another person in the room. Like, okay, it's not just another, it's not just the child. It's like, there's another human being in the room and they don't have to be hidden under the table. And it's just like, I guess at some point it should make you go, well, wait a minute. Am I being unreasonable calling meetings at 6 p.m.? I'm like, maybe you are. Maybe we don't do that again. Oh my goodness. That's fantastic. He's probably like, what is happening? And why oh, yes. is a child under the table? I'm like, well, <laughs> she had no other place to go. So, so here we are. Yeah. Here we are. Did your daughter end up like kind of following in your footsteps or did she choose her own path? Well, you know what is so sad? Both my daughter and my son have excellent sensory skills. I actually used to work in the lab in the summer. But she went into mathematics and she went into finance after that. And she's oh, wow. actually the chief operating officer at the financial section of the largest bank in Jamaica. And my son became an attorney in the U.S. Okay. Well, <laughs> well hey, they found something and they followed the path. That's they all we can the ask. Path. They followed the passion. I, I kept saying to them, yeah. guys, I'm not forcing you into any profession. You follow your passion. Yeah. It was a very interesting story about my daughter always knew she wanted numbers, mathematics, and that's where she would be. My son, no. 
in high school, first you was going to become a minister of religion because you wanted to help people. Oh, okay. Then the next thing is, you know, want to become a medical doctor because he could still help people. Okay. Okay. <laughs> then he, in the last year of high school, I got a call one evening, mommy, you need to come into the room and have a chat. I don't want to do medicine anymore. I said, really? Okay. <laughs> he said, but I really don't know what I want to do. <laughs> <laughs> all right. We all know you want to help people. I know that's yes. been the common thread. So he went off to Columbia and did, of course, you know, it, it is just a liberal arts degree. And second year at Columbia, he said, I have made a decision. I want to become a lawyer. I said, really? I said, but when I told you that when you're young, because you're always being able to do research and argue on points. I told you, you'd be a good lawyer. You told me, no, who's going to do all that reading? And he lived in the Library of Columbia reading. <laughs> She's like, so the lesson we all take away from this is that your mother is always right. Yep. <laughs> That's what you should have known. I know my mom, when I was younger, she was, you should really become an attorney. You should become an attorney. And I was like, well... I don't know. I really want to mm -hmm. be a writer. I want to be a, mm -hmm. you know, I want to be a journalist. And that was, I was obsessed with that. And it was because I didn't mind being in the library, like my librarian, much like yourself, like my, my librarian and my second grade teacher were my people. They were the the women who were just like introduced me to a love of like learning and education. And my like the librarian I had in elementary school, I fell in love with books on account of her. So I really thought I was going to be a journalist or a librarian at some point in my adult so life. Right. And my mom was like, you should become, of course, once I hit like 14, my mom was like, you need to become an attorney because you argue about everything. And I was just like, uh, I'll think about that. So I, I came close, but I think that my, mm -hmm. my love of words won out, like my love of books won out. And so I ended mm -hmm. up just kind of chasing, chasing words for a long time and then got completely waylaid. And now here I sit doing this, creating a space for storytelling eventually. There you go. My 16-year-old self is very happy with the choices we have made, uh, even, if it, <laughs> even if it was the long way around. So your love of chemistry and like your experience with teaching, do you still teach or do you still get a chance to like mentor or tutor anyone? Is that still a part of your life? Yes. Mentoring is a very important part of my life. So my husband calls it my projects. So I have several young ladies working with helping them. They're not in a very fortunate situation. So I provide materials for them for school, take them along the right path, help to pay their fees for university, etc. You know, because I see the potential in them. And mm. because I think part of it being an adopted child, and I realized the opportunity that I was given, I wanted to give other women that opportunity who were not in a fortunate situation. Mm. Teaching is part of my DNA. And so I'm always teaching. Oh, I love it. Both of my grandmothers were educators. And so it's just kind of like part of the mm -hmm. DNA in our family. It's like, who can we teach? Who can we mentor? What? How can we give back in that way? And it's just like, how can we pass on what we know? I mean, for your position now, are you able, Are you grooming anyone? Have, do you have your eyes on anybody to kind of like at some point? Oh, yes, we have succession. Yes, we have a succession plan. So, you, you know, you have to nice. have persons. All right. All right. And what do you look for in like someone when, because of course the person who tapped you was the, mm -hmm. the mm -hmm master blender there yes. and kind of mm -hmm. perceived your ability for sensory mm -hmm. talent and a really great palate and a, a fantastic nose. And so are, do you look for those things? Are you looking for other qualities to kind of succeed yourself to push the, the company, the brand forward into the future? Yeah. I think some of the important factors that the person should have excellent sensory skill. They should have a good sound knowledge of the process, be technically competent, understand how to combine science with art, you know, because it's very important to become a successful blender and being able to communicate because in the past, like 40 years ago, the blender was just locked away in his room doing his little thing, not speaking to journalists, not speaking to anyone. I know that whole setting has changed where you're now constantly, you know, in the media doing interviews. I've done hundreds of magazine interviews and TV and radio interviews. So that whole side, you have to know, have a little PR skill. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh, I, hey, that time with Tia Maria in the, in, was it in the PR? Probably yes. came in handy later. It's coming handy now. <laughs> it's funny because like I've been doing the podcast for 
about three years now, two and a half, three years. Mm -hmm. And the one thing I have learned over each interview is that for the most part, specifically because I interview Black women, that because most people aren't we don't really get asked about our stories and our work very often unless it's something really like kind of exceptional and like the people are like, oh, I've never seen that or heard that before. And I noticed that, you know, because we don't have that kind of practice, it's harder for us to get into those spaces and kind of like feel comfortable and know what our story is and kind of mm-hmm. hone in. So do you remember like the first time you had to do an interview like and like people started to realize who you were and what role you were playing for Appleton. And they were like, we need to talk to this woman. She's the first of her kind. Like, yes. w- do you remember that first experience? Yeah, the first experience was a male journalist in the UK. And that was in 1998. And I kept saying to myself, oh, my, is this man going to accept me as a woman <laughs> in the street? <laughs> Does he think I have potential? <laughs> oh, wow. It's funny because like, the questions I typically ask, I'm, I'm always trying to give like get backstory and understand like who you are because, you know, I think our work is an expression of who we are. So like if I engage with a bottle of Appleton rum, I, I should understand a little bit about who you are because of that experience. Mm-hmm. And so when we get into media, the first thing is to kind of think, OK, how am I being evaluated by this person, even though they might not know anything about what I do? <laughs> So even if they were to give me their opinion, it might not be like really educated. It's just kind of their first impressions of me. Mm -hmm. Is there something that you wish that media would ask you more about? Is there something that about even rum making or chemistry or what your job is that you kind of wish the world would start to be a bit more curious about? The interesting part about my interviews is that I've had interviews with very technical journalists. So I was able to focus on the technical side of the rum making process. And then journalists who had a different flair and a different spin, they wanted to look at the artistic side. And some just wanted to hear my story. So I've been able to, you know, express all aspects of my career. Nice. Through different good. types of journalists. Good, 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 good. Now, I'm going to be real transparent. I don't drink a lot of rum. When I, I do, it's typically mixed into something. And so, and every now and again, like when I was working in restaurants and we Mm -hmm. had like maybe some new alcohols Mm -hmm. or like liquors or something come into the bar, we would end up tasting them. But for the most part, it's just not something I ever really have on the bar cart. I'm a huge bourbon drinker Mm -hmm. and I drink whiskey. So (laughs) it was just like, but my interest in rum is always like historic. I'm like, okay, this particular drink is, it's older. It has a historical presence in the world. And so what, for someone like myself, who is like, I'm not a frequent rum drinker, when you talk to people and tell them like, you should be drinking more rum, why is that? Like, what is your play there? Well, the first chord that struck me with you is the fact that you drink whiskey and bourbon. And so the rums that you have had in the past are what we refer to as standard rums. So those are rums that you just mix and enjoy the, you know, the kick from the alcohol. But there's a premium age rum category, which is what Appleton Estate is all about. And these rums can be enjoyed in the same way you would a fine bourbon or whiskey. So our Appleton Estate 12-year-old rare cast would be perfect for you because you would just sip this neat or with a big cube of ice, or you might like an old-fashioned do you have your bourbon in old fashioned or you just have I it? Do, I, I have it both ways. So I do have my right. bitters and my sugar okay. cubes and my orange and all the things. <laughs> so I have to get you a bottle of our Appleton Estate 12-year-old rare cast for you to sip and try. And let me tell you why. Our rums age three times as fast as it would say in a cooler climate, such as Scotland or Kentucky when it's cold. And so it develops those complex flavors such as vanilla, coffee, cocoa, hazelnut, and almond notes much Mm. more quickly. And so the rum is exceptionally smooth. And so when you sip our 12-year-old, it's like taking you into a different zone. Mm. Cannot believe that rum can be so complex, sophisticated, and intriguing with all these aromas. Because in the consumer mind, a lot of consumers still think of rum as that standard rum category, that that spirit that you just mix. Right. Rum. Right. That's not what the premium age rum is all about. We're all about okay. sophistication and luxury and enjoying it the same way you would your bourbon Ooh. or whiskey. And so we're going to make sure that Sarah sends you a bottle of the 12 year old rare cast. And I want you to give me your opinion. Oh, absolutely. Because I've learned some <laughs> things about like the, because I'm, Usually in a restaurant or a bar, I usually ask for like top Mm -hmm. shelf, which Mm -hmm. doesn't always guarantee you're getting like a premium 
brand of anything. But my brother was a bartender for a long time. And so he was always the one who would like buy a bottle of something and we would sit and like sip and drink. And all of my favorite experiences have been with premium brands that I don't have to mix into anything. I can just drink the product as is. And so thank you, ladies and gentlemen, if you can visit the Appleton website and make sure... (laughs) You get some premium rum and stop drinking this other swill. So there it is. This is what we're going to say to you. Oh, that's gorgeous. It's beautiful. I mean, the bottle's beautiful. It looks like a, a bottle of my favorite bourbon. I am very excited to taste this because I yes, do. I please. prefer my alcohol either neat or neat. with maybe a bit a of ice. Ice. And that's it. And I just, I don't like, I'm not a huge cocktail person. And if you do a cocktail, it has to be like very conservative as far as like mixing things in. I don't do a lot of fruity cocktails because I'm just like, people work really hard to create these products and we're throwing fruit in there and you've got soda in there. And I'm like, please stop. Yes. Please don't I do this. that beautiful flavor and taste when right. you <laughs> enjoy it. And that's what, you know, Appleton Estate is all about. Wow. And now we are taking a brief pause to thank Global Cutler USA for sponsoring this episode of the Afros and Knives podcast. Many people have rediscovered their kitchens over the last year, and some have even rekindled their love for cooking. I hope this is a trend that grows up to become the new normal. Cooking at home can be amazing if you come to your cutting board with curiosity and no apologies, if your pantry and your fridge are well stocked. And if you have a sharp, balanced knife at the ready, like an 8-inch Classic Chef knife by Global Cutlery, made of Cremova 8 stainless steel, Global Cutlery has been expertly handcrafting knives inspired by the traditions of Japanese sword making and only using the finest raw materials available. They have been doing this work for over 30 years, and it shows. The knives are for both the home and the commercial cook, and each knife has the signature global edge, and it stays sharper longer. And like the samurai swords before them, each knife is carefully weighted to ensure the perfect balance in your hands. So to purchase your own knife and upgrade that knife game, I'm sure after a year, you're ready to make a few replacements. Visit the Global Cutlery website, globalcutleryusa.com. Or visit your local kitchen supply store like Sir Latab or William Sonoma. Cooking is a practice and a craft, and every practitioner needs the right tools to produce the beautiful results that they want. And now for Jamaican rum, and because rum is being made in a few different places, what is unique about Jamaican rum that people really should understand? You see, Jamaican rum is known for its distinct, complex, and bold flavors. You'll find persons in the bartender community will say that they love the funk in Jamaica Rome. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. We'll yes, take they, love, they love the funk. And the thing about it is that when you drink Jamaica Rome, you can actually feel the spirit and passion of our people shining through every bottle. Mm. Right? So it's not just tasting the spirit, but you feel us, you feel our energy and vibes. Oh, I love that. You know, it's something that like the way you articulated that is like what I usually try to explain to people when they engage with like black owned brands in general and brands that come from places that most of the people are brown or black there is that you don't just get the product or the service you are engaged in like the people you uh, you get a bit of the the spirit of the people that it's coming from so yeah because i was just like there's something unique about rum that comes from jamaica because you hear people talk about like rums that they're picking up from all over the place but when they get to that they're like it's i always hear the distinction there they're like oh it's a jamaican rum almost like Mm -hmm. you should know why i'm saying that and making that (laughs) distinction it's like it's jamaican rum you're like oh okay let me know why that why that's so special so your work in on the island in general, like outside of Appleton, like what else are you engaged in? Are you doing any type of like community work, which I imagined just from our brief conversation right now that you would, you have your hands in the community as well. And what does that look like? Well, first of all, at home, because of COVID, we have a lot of senior citizens on my road. So I do a lot of support work for them, reach out, help them. Sometimes they need access to food. I help them to give them the proper protective equipment, you know, and masks, et cetera. 
you know, to keep them safe because you yeah. know, they're very old and very susceptible to COVID. And outside of my community, as I said, I have a lot of young ladies that I'm working with to help them realize their potential and their dreams, whatever career path they want to do. So I spend a lot of my time doing that because believe you me, sometimes young girls tend to go off that beaten track and you have to bring them back. So go back to reality here. <laughs> You're right. Focus on your goal and your dream, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because it keeps Boyfriends you... can come later. You know, <laughs> She's like, you can wait. They'll be there. You can't they wait. Will. They're, they're waiting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, trust us when we tell you they will be there. And sometimes you don't want them to be, but they will be there when you're yes. done. Yep. Oh, yeah. Have babies at the right time. Yeah. Oh, uh, I that's mean, a problem that we have in Jamaica, you know? Wow. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. Okay. I think because people don't, they're not engaged necessarily in like the the news and politics of other places, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. So they would not know that. But yeah, I just, I remember me being in high school, that was one of the big like over overreaching issues that a lot of my friends were, you know, they were mothers by the time before they graduated from high school. So a lot of the things they wanted to do either had to wait or had to change, or they could do it kind of, or part-time, or it just, it just looked really different. It didn't look the way they had always imagined. So it was just kind of like, you know, they love their kids and they love being moms, but they recognized that those choices took them into a direction that they had no real intentions of going. And they had to definitely make some new choices that they hadn't planned on. True. It's funny because like working with young people now, like in certain kitchens I've, you know, managed and things like that, and just kind of doubling down and letting them know like the things you want to do with your life and the dreams you have for yourself are important and you should pursue them. And I think a lot of times they do kind of give up because there's no one really supporting them and like pushing them and reminding them that like what they want to do is important. And so they kind of let it go and go, well, I guess no one really cares. And so it doesn't really matter what choices I make. And I'm just like, can you imagine all of the things that would not exist if like people didn't get the the voices in their lives that they needed and exactly. they to like mm -hmm. to to speak to them. So thank you. I mean, I appreciate just I don't know any of these young ladies, but I imagine that if they <laughs> listen to what you're telling them to do and like focus yes. and discipline themselves, that they have the potential to really change the future for so many people. So for someone who is like listening and they're like, you know, I've never thought about getting into spirits and like becoming a master blender. And I'm a student at this point and I still trying to decide what I want to do with my life or found that I'm interested in this path. What would you say to them? What should they be doing at this point? Well, first of all, they need to be able to recognize that they have excellent sensory skills because that's the baseline for this profession. So if you know you have excellent sensory skills, that is a starting point. If you have a passion for chemistry, biochemistry, where you want to understand about fermentation, distillation, and aging, this is a career path for you because it will lead you to become a master blender. And I do a lot of motivational talks in you know, all-girl high schools when they're about to leave to decide on their career path. And traditionally, the parents tell them that you need to become a doctor, you need to become an attorney, always those you know, traditional career paths. And I always say to them, Think outside the box for a career. Mm. If you do not have a passion for medicine or law, don't go for it. Go <laughs> where you have the passion. Yeah. And if you think you have a passion for using your sensory skills <laughs> in a career, <laughs> which I never knew I would be able to do. Wow. Or for chemistry, this is one particular career path that you could choose. And believe you me, I've converted quite a few potential doctors. Yes. To Distillers, they went to the UK to study distillation. Wow. Distraught of their parents, but they said, Mom, I do not want to become a medical doctor. This is where yeah. I think I have the passion for, and I'm going to go for it. And I'm like, I, I think I can do well if I apply myself. Mm -hmm. I think I have the skill set. I can I can make mm -hmm. this happen. And mm -hmm. in the U.S. specifically, we're seeing a, a little bit of a, a surge in Black women getting into distillation and creating mm -hmm. brands. I think we just had a tequila brand that, that came up that's 100% owned by a Black woman. And then Uncle Nearest Whiskey, their mm -hmm. master blender is a Black woman. And so it's, it's one of those things where you kind of see the space growing and more and more people right. talking about Black women entering that space. And so I can imagine like in a decade if we can convert a lot of these other these other young people <laughs> to, into food and beverage we might be able to see the future look <laughs> like there's more of us around guys we're out we're here we're doing this thing yes yes 
So for you in the future, what are you getting into? Is there anything you're excited about as far as the in, the rum industry in general and maybe some new technologies or new flavors or new uh, techniques or methods and approaches that you're kind of curious about and want to explore? Well, right now my focus is creating limited editions for Appleton Estates, so small batches of very old rums or rums with a very a special story. Ooh. And we just released in October last year, what we call a hearts collection in Europe. And very soon we'll be releasing it in the US in March. We'll be releasing it in the US. And it's just a series of what we call single mark hot still rums. So they're not blends. Normally our, our rums are a blend of different marks. But this is just one pot still mark. And the three that we have in this particular series is a 1994, a 1995, and a 1999. Wow. And believe you me, when we released it in Europe, it sold out like two hours because we only did 3,000 bottles of each for the entire world. And it was all done through e-commerce. Oh, yeah. That sounds like a good time. Yeah, I'm, so I'll, we be, have, I'll be, my eyes will be filled. Yeah, my, my eyes will be filled for the U.S. release. And so, you know, we have a long pipeline of all these limited editions coming out and consumers can be excited about Appleton Estate and say what it is that we have next in the pipeline. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited. Now, the difference between limited edition and anything else, because I know I'll see it. Some some people will use it on the label as a PR like stunt Mm -hmm. or a way to market something. But I know there are, you know, there are products that are legitimately like what makes that limited edition outside of like the the, how many you're selling. What kind of blend is that? So at Appleton Estate, we have the largest stock of very old rooms in the world. And so we have been utilizing that asset and creating small batches of blends. So we did a 50-year-old rum to celebrate the 50th anniversary of Jamaican independence. We have done a two 30-year-old editions. And I was asked to actually create a rum in my honor, known as the Joy Anniversary Blend. And that was a 25-year-old rum. Now we have a 23-year-old rum known as Journey. And we just did the Hearts Collection. So there were small amounts based on the stocks that we have, but we know that you had consumers clamoring for these very high-end spirits. And so they're so low in no time. Wow. Most people, at least I don't, think of rum in the same context as you think of like an aged anything. Like, so, you know, you have aged bourbons and you have aged wines and things like that. And it just, I've never really... Th- considered the fact that you do have these aged rums, specifically like a 50-year-old, 50-year-old rum. It's like, okay, well, does that, mm-hmm. what does that even, how would you even keep something like that? Where does that go? How do we hold on <laughs> to it? Those particular blends, you have a 50-year-old blend. Does it come from like a previous blend and it's just kind of been reserved and, and aged from that point? Or how do you start that process of knowing like, okay, this is going to not, we're not going to use this or we're not going to tap into this particular right. blend for so another 25 five years. So we had the project where we were going to set down rums to celebrate the independence of Jamaica. So when we had independence, a rum was released. Then we had put down rums to celebrate the 25th anniversary of our independence. And we put down rums to celebrate the 50th anniversary of our independence. Oh, okay. So is that a, like as the master blender, that's something that is like strategically planned. It's like, okay, this is, but okay. So that's these types of things for me, I kind of fall into like this legacy conversation. It's like, okay, we're going to have these products for 50, 75, 100 years. So the person who on day one, who's like, okay, we're creating this blend or this bottle so that in 100 years, someone can, can drink it and enjoy it. And so like the act of like, consciously doing something like that. I've always found that astounding. I mean, you think about the all the other things that are aged. So you have fermented eggs that are, mm-hmm. you know, they go black because they've been around for a century. And it's like a century, yes, yes. to keep an egg for a century. Yes. Like what what went into that? And same thing with wines. Like wines tend to, mm-hmm. I think people are more familiar with that. And it's like, okay, that wine is like 150 years old or it's been sitting in a cellar for 60 years. And so this idea that Somebody at some point in the timeline was like, this is going to be something that in a hundred years, I might not be here, but this will be. And so I just love that idea of like creating something that is historic. I've been on this kick about telling people like, like food and beverage and all of these things are historical markers. They are a way to capture 
history. And the way that sadly, like over the last few decades, the way people think about food or think about beverage, they don't engage with it that way anymore. It's really kind of a, a because everyone's like, oh, it's a microwave society. And I'm like, nah, it literally is. People eat for calories and they don't necessarily taste what they're drinking. And it's just like, it's there because it's something to do with their hands. And it's not thought about in a way that you're capturing a moment in history. Like the thing you're drinking was here before you were. So like it saw the world in a way that you've never seen it. And so like no one really is taking time to pause and appreciate what that means. So yeah, so thank you. I, it's like, I think the keepers of history, yourself and, you know, other distillers. And I interviewed Fawn Weaver from Uncle Nearest. And like, you guys are like the guardians of history. You just are like these Things existed well before me, and my job is to preserve them, to take them into the future and remind people, like, this is its history. This is the string. And so it was here before me. I want it to be here after me. And so I'm making sure that I take care of it and preserve it. So I appreciate you. Thank you so much for doing that. Now, for someone who, unfortunately, we can't go to Jamaica right now, but do you guys in normal life... In regular times, are you able to go and like visit the facility and like do tours and that kind of thing? Or is that oh yes, not- yes. Uh, so our experience is known as the Joy Spence Apotenistry from Experience. It was named in my honor, which was one of the most touching things ever in my life. I mean, normally people name things when you die. This uh, is true. When you die. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, thank you for naming this while I'm here, and I can well, enjoy it. <laughs> I told people, I'm like, look, the minute we can all get out of here and I can put some stamps in this passport, mm-hmm. I just need suggestions on places to go. And a lot of times this is how they, this is how I end up planning places. I'm like, okay, so there's an activity and I can just mm-hmm. take myself there and participate in that activity. So that gives me a reason mm-hmm. to go. What do the tours look like? And are you well, thinking when, there might be some shifts? <laughs> uh, well, what happened is that when Campari bought us, they actually did a complete renovation of the, the tour. So we knocked down the entire structure, rebuilt it to a first world facility. So when you come there, wow. you're going to be in shock and awe. Jamaicans actually take what I call a pilgrimage to the, <laughs> to the experience like every weekend. They can't wow. Out of it. Okay. Come, yes, because you know they're so proud of this experience. So when you arrive, you're in this beautiful lush Nassau Valley. We have what you call the... Um, Welcome center where you're given either a, a cocktail or a rum punch, and those things are proprietary for us. Then after that, you're taken to a nice theater, surround sound, where you're shown a short video on the history of Jamaica rum and the Appleton Estate. Then you're taken on the physical tour. You'll visit Paz the Donkey, who would crush some sugarcane. Then you'll go to the sugarcane station, where you learn all about the sugarcane. You'll get to taste the sugarcane. Then you go to a manual milling section where you can you can manually mill the sugarcane yourself and drink the sugarcane wow. juice. All right. <laughs> then we take you to the molasses station where you see after we boil the sugarcane juice, you get molasses and sugar, and you can actually taste it. Then you move on to the fermentation station where they explain to you all about fermentation. Then you're taken into the distillery to see our magnificent copper pot stills. Then you're taken to the aging warehouse showing you where rum is aged. And then finally, you can now go to the tasting room where you get to taste three of our wonderful expressions and enjoy our rums. And then finally, you can have lunch in the Black River Lounge where you have a very delicious lunch that is offered as part of the tour. So Yeah. So everyone, what we can do is a group trip. And yes. we'll just put a sign up sheet on a website somewhere and everyone, when we can all leave the house again, we will all sign up and we will go take the tour. And let Sarah know when you're coming, so I'll come down. Oh, one. Okay. Done, done and done. Because yes, I think yes. at this point, I am sure people are like, so when are we all going to Jamaica? Because <laughs> I think, I think we all a, deserve a trip to Jamaica after quarantining. After quarantining. <laughs> Specifically the ones who have disciplined ourselves to stay home and mm-hmm. not go out in the streets and make sure we wear our mask when we're out in public. That's I think we all deserve a treat on account of the fact that we behaved ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> What is your favorite way to drink rum outside of just the neat? Is there a cocktail you like? I heard rum punch. Is there something that is like traditional for you and how you drink rum? Well, you know, I prefer to have my rum neat or with a cube of ice. But there are exceptions. So, for example, with our eight-year-old, 
I love to enjoy that in a nice traditional Mai Tai, celebrating the, the history of the Mai Tai in Jamaica. And if I'm going to do any cocktail with the 12, I'd like it in an old fashioned. And I also developed a cocktail called the Joyce Cocktail with the eight-year-old, where I wanted to create something that was simple, easy to make at home, that persons, you know, you didn't have to have all this sophisticated equipment. And so I just put an ounce and a half of the eight-year-old in a glass, a slice of orange, put a few drops of Angostura bitters in it, muddle the pulp, add some crushed ice on top with ginger ale. Simple, easy to make, and absolutely yes. delicious. I will make sure so, that goes up on the website. <laughs> yeah, so like you said, you don't want to add a lot of stuff to it because you have such excellent rum. You don't really right. want to mask the beautiful flavor of our premium rums. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's going to, yeah, I'm gonna, I'll put that up on the website mm-hmm. so people can yeah. just participate. Yeah. Now, final question. What is your favorite food pairing? With wine, what is something that you tend to eat or make at home and have with rum? Glass, yeah. Okay. So, in our range, let me start with the Appleton Estate Signature, which has a very fruity flavor profile. So, you have a distinctive orange, which is a hallmark of Appleton Estate, apricot and peach. So, I tend to pair this with anything that's citrusy. So, anything like an Escobich fish, for example, I would. Do that, you know, you can put a little lime on the Escovich and have that with the signature. For the eight-year-old now, that has more spicy notes. So you're getting like ginger, nutmeg, spicy fruits. It's almost like holiday spice aroma. Mm. And so anything that's smoked or jerked, I enjoy with that. Ooh, that sounds good, yeah. I like to have it, for example, with jerk lobster with a pineapple topping. That's absolutely delicious. Oh, I was like, I was waiting. I did not know what was coming behind the word jerk. I was like, well, yes. jerk lobster, everybody. Yeah. Jerk lobster. yeah, with pineapple topping. The pineapple is very important to bring that fruitiness to it. Oh, that's For the so 12, good. I like to enjoy it with chocolate covered strawberries, dark chocolate covered strawberries. Absolutely a wonderful combination. So when you get your 12 year old rare cast, Try, sip some of that rum and take a bite of a chocolate-covered strawberry and it was oh. like, like a, a, what I say, a surprise party in your mouth. <laughs> Done. Okay, that's on the list. That's on the list of things to do. I just, we're approaching a year of pandemic and I'm like, I need something to mm-hmm. remind me that it's okay to stay in the house a little bit longer. And so these things are going to help me. I'm, having new things to like cook and pair and all of those things are always fantastic. And I'm always looking for new things to write about as well. So this will all contribute to that as well. So thank you. Um, <laughs> how can we purchase product? What can we do to like, just pay attention to like what's coming up that's new? I know like Appleton has a website. It's the, are we on Instagram? Are we on Facebook? Are we on Twitter? Are we doing all these things as well? Yes, so you have the Instagram page for the US, you have Instagram for Appleton Estate, JA, Appleton Estate, USA, Appleton Estate, UK. Nice. And of course, always having promotions because we have a good distribution network in the US, for example. And so you, you see it on the shelves. Yeah. In most of the liquor stores. Okay, perfect. I was like, so ladies and gentlemen, just make sure that you're looking for Appleton and stop buying this other stuff. I don't know what you're drinking, but if it's not this. Well, we have to have a conversation. Then um, <laughs> it's like, let's let's talk about why you're not drinking Appleton. Like for me, I'm like, I don't, again, I'm like, I'm not, I don't have rum all the time. So when I do buy it, I'm always like, what do I get? So I'd rather just like not know, I'd rather not buy anything until I know like what I should be drinking. Mm-hmm. And now I know. So I will, I will make sure I commit to, I'll commit to having a bottle of Appleton yeah. on the beverage cart from this point forward. Please and do, that's what we're please going do, because you would definitely see it. Oh yeah, especially how I drink it. Yeah, we're we're gonna do this, and and I'm definitely I've got my sights set on the jerk lobster with the pineapple. With the pineapple, too. delicious. So, oof, that sounds fantastic. But thank you so much for spending some time with me. I appreciate you so much. I am excited. I just I'm loving how the season is starting to shape up because there are so many women who are working in these spaces around like chemistry and science, and I just wanted I wanted the audience to be aware of the fact that like Black women are working in these. Spaces spaces too, that we do these things as well. And that that's a path specifically for young people and young women who are coming up in food and beverage right now, who aren't quite sure that 
the restaurant life is for them or the bartender life might not be for them, but they love these things and they just don't know where they fit. And hearing other women have different experiences in these industries kind of broadens their scope a little bit and gives them some opportunities to learn about like, oh, so I don't have to like be a bartender if I want to work with like spirits and liquor and beers and things like that. I can actually be on the other side of it. I can be a producer. I can be a blender. Uh, I can be a distiller. There's a lot of other options and opportunity for me. So I just thank you so much for all your work, all you've done for, you know, like again, bringing rum into the future that we all live in at this point. I'm excited to see where it goes in the next like decade or so. And we'll see like when we're celebrating your hundred years there, we will see. <laughs> <laughs> where we are preserved <laughs> by Rome. Exactly. <laughs> I was like, uh, I'm like, she's been there for a hundred years, guys. This is what we're gonna do. <laughs> so yeah, but thank you so much. I appreciate Sarah so much for just like waving me down because I told people I'm like, as the more I do these podcast interviews, the more women that kind of pop up in my space, and I'm just like, I'm only one person, and I can't interview everybody. I would love to, but I cannot. And so when something really special comes up, I'm always just super excited. So thank you so much for spending some time with me and taking some time. Thank you for having me. It was really a pleasure speaking with you. I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much for tuning into my interview with Joy Spence. And isn't she just incredible? To learn more about her work and the history of Appleton Estate, visit the Appleton website, appletonestate.com. The rum is available for purchase online and in your favorite liquor stores, most likely. Thank you to Joy for sending me a bottle of the eight-year and the 12-year. Delicious. Come back next week to listen to my chat with drinks critic and the founder of Ancestors and Alcohol, Ms. Brianna Sherman. A special shout out to the Afros and North Patreon community for their continued financial support. This show thrives because of your commitment to supporting it. As always, head over to afrosandknives.com to sign up for the email list, listen to past episodes, buy Afros and Knives merch, and check out all of the links and resources available in the show notes. If you enjoyed this episode, if you want to continue to support the podcast and see it grow, be sure to share and subscribe, rate and review, and then engage in the community. To catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram at Chef Tiffany Rosier or on Twitter at Tiffany Rosier. Or you can visit the website or my personal website is TiffanyRosier.com. So all of those places. I try to keep things updated, but I don't find myself nearly as interesting as my podcast guest. But that's just me. Anyway, so until then, may you be held in loving kindness. May you be happy and safe. May you be healthy in body and in mind. May you live a life of abundance and audacity. And may your heart be at peace. Ashe. Ashe.